The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and I am delighted that you've joined us today. Now, today's show is actually a continuation of a show that we started on March 10th. And that show is really entitled 10 Lessons to Coach Yourself and Others to Peak Performance. Now, on part one, we were able to get through four segments of the show. And what I want to share are three segments of the show. What I want to share with you today is a little bit of a recap. And by chance, if you missed that first show, you can go back to March 10th and listen to the replay. And I'd encourage you to do that. But just a quick recap for everyone, where we started off on lesson one for peak performance was how you can shift and or change the mindset or the story that you're telling yourself around certain facts. And you can set that story up if it's not serving you in the forward movement of your business and your professional life, then reset a different story to support the facts that have happened. Now, lesson two, we talked about how problems are actually your best friend. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. If you ask you know, the average person on the street and you say, hey, do you want more problems in your life? It's not that you want more problems, but those who are able, who are able to navigate and solve big problems in life, guess what they're also able to do? They're able to create huge solutions in their life and for their business. So when a problem or an obstacle comes right around the corner, just as you're ready to launch a big product, you have plenty of muscle memory and problem-solving experience where it shows up just barely a speed bump or a blip on the screen in terms of your overall success. So that's why we're not going to shy away from problems in our life. And then the third lesson that we talked about, and this is certainly a lesson that has has been life-changing for me, and that's turning the ordinary into extraordinary around the topic of agreements and keeping agreements. I believe everyone thinks they're honest and truthful and keep their word. And the question really is the litmus test around, are you keeping your word around everything and keeping your agreements, no matter how small they are or how large they are in your life, and really being focused on that? Now, 
the next area that I want to talk about is lesson four. And by the way, this this topic material comes out of a brilliant book that was written by the founder of Clemmer and Associates, Brian Clemmer. Now, Clemmer and Associates is a world-class leadership and character development company. They offer courses to the general public at large, as well as corporate training. And I support them in the corporate training world. And Brian wrote this book because he really knew that if you could master these 10 subject matters, your business would be on fire as well as your personal life in the best possible way. So that's where the content material is taken. And we'll talk a little bit more later in the show about how to get in touch with Clemmer and Associates and start your journey of growth and producing results. So lesson four is around listening. And I know a lot of us like to think that we're fantastic listeners, and many of us are. But I, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever thought about why we have two ears and one mouth? And I would suggest, as many would also suggest, it's because it's really, really important to listen twice as much as we speak. And when we think about listening, it's not about necessarily what we're hearing, because most of us were taught to listen through two filters, and these filters actually don't serve us very well. So I want to identify those and speak to you a little bit about these filters that may not be serving you. And the first filter is called I agree with listening. Now, that's one type of listening. And I think we've all been there. I know I certainly have been there. Is when the other person is speaking, I might be thinking, yeah, I already know that. I already know what they're going to say next. I already have my rebuttal planned. I already know what's going to happen. And what happens is we start and end with, because I already know something, whether I believe it or whether I actually do, nothing has changed when I look like I'm listening to them. All I'm doing is kind of sitting there, nodding my head, pretending to listen. I may not even know that I'm doing this. My In my head, I'm saying, oh, yeah, I got this. I know this. I already have it planned, right? So, With that in mind, if you're looking to create any sort of change or different sort of results, nothing's going to change if you stay by chance stuck in just the I agree with listening. Now, of course, we also would recognize the second way of ineffective listening, and that's I disagree with listening, where as someone is speaking, you're already shaking your head, you're already rolling your eyes, or your internal voice is saying, blah, 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 blah. And you really are not paying attention. You can tell by the tone of their voice, of your voice, whatever that looks like, you are clearly not being present with that person, and you're in disagree listening mode. So let's take a little bit of a time to test this. What I, if you're not driving, let's say, um, if you're not driving, go ahead and grab a piece of paper, and I'm going to give you some int- instructions. So grab a piece of paper and a pencil, and what I'd like for you to do is just listen to what 
I'm going to give you two instructions. Listen to what those instructions are, and then just go ahead and write the answers on the paper. All right? So on this piece of paper, what I'd like for you to do is write a lowercase form of the letter I and dot it. So go ahead and do that now. Lowercase I and dot it. And then test number two, you'll just fill in the blank. And so here's the question on test number two. So let's say there was a pasture with a papa bull, a mama bull, and a baby bull on it. Where does the baby bull go when they're hungry? How and where will they go for food? So just write your answer down on that. So that might seem a little simple, all right? So here's the fourth one. If you're going to draw, what I'd like for you to do is draw a square. And what I'd like for you to do is inside that square... I want you to draw three vertical lines and three horizontal lines. And that's what your square is going to look like. All right. So my question to you then is how many squares do you see in the diagram below? All right. Now let's talk about results because we're going to inspect what we just expect, right? Let's see how well we were listening. And you're going to have to self-monitor and self-correct here. So when we look to question number one, the directions were to, on a separate piece of paper, you're going to go ahead and write out the lowercase i with a dot over it. So does your paper look like this? An i with a dot and another dot on top of it. If it doesn't, then there's a little adjustment that you may need to make with your listening, right? If it just looks like a lowercase i with only one dot, you did not listen to those instructions clearly, all right? You were agree with listening because it would should look like lowercase i, which has a dot above it, and then another dot. All right, the next answer For answer number two, again, the instruction was there's a pasture with Papa Bull and a Mama Bull and a Baby Bull in it, and the Baby Bull's hungry. Where will they go for food? So if you were listening in the proper listening mode, most people, however, are going to think this. The baby needs the mama, and so they should go to the mama if hungry. But notice in the instructions... There's no such thing as a mama bull. So the baby cannot go to the mama because there is no such thing as a mama bull. The real answer would be for B, that they need to go for the pasture, right? That would be one alternative. All right, let's move on to the next one. Hope I'm not making you guys mad here. But let's move on to the next one. And that is how many squares do you see in the diagram below? So you made a large square with three horizontal lines and and, uh, vertically and horizontal. And so everyone knows what that exact number is, right? 16. But it could be more than that. The real answer is how many squares do you see? And so the right answer is how many number or how many squares do you see? The answer is whatever number you see is the correct answer. Because if you were listening, it's how many squares do you see? Only you will know that answer. 
So if you didn't get an A-plus on the simple little test, um, there might be something here to learn about listening. And if you did get all the answers, go ahead and pat yourself on the back a little bit and listen in anyway because you might pick up some tools about listening skills. So I want to introduce two super effective ways of listening. And the first one would be a step one called be with listening. And be with listening means that you're going to be present, not only to your own experience, but also the experience of the other person. And so when you think of this, I like to think of it in terms of, let's say a small child walks into a room of complete strangers a, a complete stranger that gets down and speaks and greets that small child, let's say they kneel down or bend over, and starts engaging with that child at an eye-to-eye level, that's an example of be with listening. And it feels very different. There's a mental state, a physical state of be with listening, and an emotional state. The energy feels different because you're totally and completely focused on the listening of the other person. You're just very, very present. And if we look at this, let's say you're a golfer and you're about to hit the ball you're not going to get distracted by the crowd or the leaves blowing outside or the dogs barking. You're actually going to be paying attention to the club, to the grip, to how you hit the ball. You're going to be with, without any distractions. There's emotional presence with you that you bring into the moment. You're paying attention to what your surroundings are. So step two of this be with listening is going to be in terms of being grounded, that you're clear about your purpose and that you have removed any and all distinctions. And this isn't necessarily an easy thing to do because what we're really doing is talking about this baton that gets passed off between our conscious mind and our subconscious level. So when we start thinking about all the things that our conscious, uh, our conscious level of being is about, we're talking about our mind and our head, um, our five senses, and, and any region, reason and logic that we have um, going on. And that's at constant state. When we talk about a compassionate samurai uh, in this show, we're constantly talking about kind of a battle between your conscious mind and maybe your heart level subconscious because the subconscious mind is going to bring forth your your heart, your emotions, um, everything about your your memory bank and uh, certainly your autonomic nervous system. You don't have to think about whether or not you're going to breathe or um, your heart beats. It just happens automatically, obviously. And that's going to go to your mind is constantly going to be going to battle with your belief systems. And they're going to be running interference for each other. And we call those barriers. And the more that you can break 
down those barriers between those two states and those levels. And I'm going to introduce that there's a third state of infinite or or possibility in life. And so if you think about this, in fact, if you go to uh, a workshop at Clemmer and Associates, they're going to draw a, a picture of what looks like a snowman with an open-ended, infinite body at the bottom. Um, many people would refer to this as God or your faith or your spirit. And so the more in alignment we can have these three levels of beingness, the clearer and the more receptive we are to be with listening. So it's all about clearing those barriers of communication at the subconscious level. So we're able to connect with people at that heart-to-heart level. Now, the big question is this, why is this even important? What's in it for you with be with listening? I'm going to suggest that it's not just what's in it for you. It's what's in it for the other person. And the other person can be your client, your prospect, your friends, your families. Because if you're being with listening, you're connected to that prospect. They know when you're telling them the truth. They know when you care about what their results are, and you're being of greater service to them. And keeping happy clients, we all know, is a game of being of service, being of service. So if you're clear about be with listening, and you're grounded, and you're connected with the person at the other side of the table or the other end of that phone call, you have perfected a beautiful state of listening. And it's not always easy, but it's certainly a worthy endeavor. So that's the completion of level four. We're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about something called the ultimate sales formula. It's my absolute favorite chapter in this book. And we're going to learn all about the selling process. Stay tuned for more. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Great leaders today have certain capabilities that set them apart. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. 
Inside Transformational Leadership, hosted by Kate Ebner, is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these stories and concepts every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your grateful host, Kathy Fairbanks, and today we are talking about peak performance and really how to coach yourself and your team into further avenues of peak performance. Now, in our first section, we just talked about a beautiful way of listening, and that's be with listening, connecting with your clients, your prospects, your vendors at a heart to heart level. Not mushy, not touchy feely, but really honoring the other person with being present in whatever the matter at hand is. Now, this fits hand in glove with my favorite lesson in this book entitled When Good Intentions Run Smack Into Reality. This is a book written by Brian Clemmer at Clemmer and Associates. And this is about the ultimate sales formula. Now, before you pop off of the show and say, oh, nope, don't like to sell. I know that there are a lot of people out there who have a negative reaction to sales. I don't have a negative reaction to sales. My mindset is this. I love selling because I see it as me providing a solution to someone else's need. On one side, I hear what their need is, and on the other hand, I'm able to marry them up with the best solution possible. Now, I may not have the best solution possible, but I can tell you, I'm going to find them the best solution possible. So that's why I love selling and being of service to my clients. However, I know that there's a vast array of people out there because they've said to me, oh, I could never sell. I'm not a salesperson. And I'm always baffled by that because if you're having a negative reaction to sales, I'm going to challenge you and say, you know, you really shouldn't because If you ask yourself, have you ever gone, or if I ask you, have you ever gone on out out on a date? If you've gone out on a date or asked somebody out on a date, then you were actually selling. You sold yourself for a dinner, a coffee, enough time to spend with someone to get to know them. Or even another example would be, have you ever comforted someone If you've comforted someone, then you're actually in sales because what you were trying to do was to change the way the person felt from sad to happy, from sorrow to joyful. 
And I think another prime example in our lives might be, have you ever convinced your child to be responsible and do their homework? If you have, then you're in sales. And you're doggone good at sales if they're doing their homework. And then if you have a significant other in your life, that probably is the biggest sale that you've ever made. And so I think technically we're all in sales and we're all in sales in a different capacity. So I'm going to invite you in to up your game. Why not put more tools in your toolbox today to be the best salesperson you possibly can be, to be of service in a way that lets you stand out from all of your other competitors. Because really selling is nothing more than communicating in such a way that you cause action of change, that you're creating results that you desire. I think a lot of people actually have sales with shoving something down somebody's throat that they really don't want. And that's about the other person's agenda, right? It's not about the best interest of your client or prospect. And unfortunately, I think we've seen examples of like of that in real life or certainly in television or in the movies. And so I think that's one of the reasons sales would get a bad rap. When you have people out there that are not foundationally grounded in compassionate samurai business practices. And if you're curious about the definitions and the meaning of what a compassionate samurai is, Feel free to head out to the archives show back in November of 2015. We did a complete show about the 10 traits of the compassionate samurai. So catch up with that so you really understand what that mindset is about. It's a way of life, a way of being, of living a bold and integral life, um, but also marrying that up with a warrior-like spirit. So what I'd like to suggest to you now is if you like to take notes, go ahead and take notes down on this formula that I'd like to provide. And it's going to be one of the simplest formulas you ever hear in life. It's not a crazy math formula or anything like that. And it's so simple that you might be lulled into feeling like, okay, I got that. I don't really need this. One of the things that you'll find about Clemmer and Associates is there are deliveries of workshops and exercises and modules that seem so simple on the surface. And when you start picking up these tools and begin to use them and slide into mastery and really start living in this true choice of mastery, the formulas may not be as simple as they first appeared to be. So in this first formula I want to share with you, it's a formula of want plus problem plus solution. Now, this is a three-part formula, and it's really important that they be applied in order. So first, what we want to begin to discover for our prospects, with our prospects, or our families, or our friends, we want to know, what do they want? Just a simple question. You're going to become a detective around what our client or prospect wants. Because when we start finding out what they want, what they really, really need, we're able to start 
building that effective relationship. Because what's ineffective is when we start telling our client what it is we think they want. That won't work. And let me give you an example. And this is going to go back several years. My daughter's 25, and we were doing the college tour at one time. And um, we had completed the West Coast tour, and then it was time to go out on the East Coast and visit a couple of schools on the East Coast. And um, we'd already done our Midwest visit and covered the whole country in one, uh, one semester. But one of the things that struck me is we kind of had an agenda as mom and daughter. We had an agenda here going, and it was to visit a couple of schools. And what I realized early on, she fell in love with the first school we visited on the East Coast. And I sensed when we got to the second school about an hour out of Boston, she wasn't as as enamored as I anticipated. And it was really pretty clear by her body language, by what she was saying, that her heart just wasn't in it at the second school. And I really thought that's the school she's going to end up at. And when I asked her, hey, what do you want to do next? Her comment was this. And remember, the key words I said is, what do you Chelsea, what to do next? And her comment to me really surprised me was, hey, mom, can we just go back, pack up at the hotel and head back to Boston and spend the rest of our time in Boston? I've made my choice. I want to go to Boston University. I don't need to see any more of this school. And let's go back to Boston. Well, had I not asked her what I what she wanted, I know the formula would not have played out and we might have ended up at the best solution for her. And I know we did. But me having those instincts and the formula under my belt to ask her what do you want was key. What do you want? Now, the next question is just as important and that is around what's the problem? All right. Now, here's before we dive into the problem of it, because I'm not the one who's going to identify the problem. I need the client or the prospect to identify their own problem. Now, before we get into the problem part of it, I want to give you another example of how important it is to discover the want. Because if you start diving into the problem part of it before you've discovered the want, you're getting ahead of yourself. So let me give you an example. And this is a, an exercise that is utilized in large group settings in um, a corporate setting sometimes when we are out training with Klimmer and Associates. So let me tee you up on what this would look like. Let's say we have a few hundred people in the room. We're going to tell the audience that we want them to pair up, to buddy up. And we're going to give one of them a $1 bill. So you have one person in the pair holding a dollar bill. The other person has no money, no dollar bill. And what we'll let, the, and it's random. So it doesn't matter who's holding the bill. We just need one, one person in the pair holding the bill. So next, we're going to let them know that $1 bill is going to be representative of them making their, let's say it's their departmental budget. Or let's say if they're in sales, it's going to be one year of commissions. 
Or let's say if they're in operation, it's going to be the discretionary budget to um, buy a new factory machine, something like that. So it needs to represent, that $1 needs to represent something very, very large. Now, if you're not on the currency of a dollar, just you would insert your own currency, whether it's uh, the pound or the euro or the yen, wouldn't make a difference. And so make sure that you do that when you tee it up. If, if you're out there um, working with the group on a formula of one problem solution. So next, we're going to tee up the crowd and we're going to tell them that the job of the person without the dollar, their one and only job in this exercise is to get the dollar. And the job of the person that is actually holding the dollar is to protect it no matter what. And that we then are going to grade them on whether or not they were able to keep the dollar or they were able to gain the dollar. That's how they're going to be graded. Now, what do you think happens? If you're guessing that it turns into just pandemonium and mayhem, then you're guessing right. Usually the voices get a little elevated. Uh, There might be a little tongue-in-cheek wrestling going on or some pulling, and it gets pretty, uh, it becomes a a feeding frenzy, a little bit of a piranha tank. And so we let that go on for about 15, 20 seconds, and then we'll interrupt the craziness of the crowd. And as expected, most of the people without the money who started out without the money, they didn't get the dollar. And we'll ask the question, how many of you asked for the $1 bill? We'll ask that question. Did you ask for the $1 bill? And actually, some people had. They, they didn't just try to grab it. They actually asked for the $1 bill. But then the more important question that we'll ask is how many of you without the dollar in the beginning asked the other person what they needed or what they wanted that you could do for them in exchange for the dollar. And virtually nobody does this. Those wanting the the money, actually, they simply thought about their very own need, and that was to get the money, right? And those with the money, all all they were thinking about was, I have to hold on to my money. I have to protect the money. And there was no negotiation around what could be done in exchange for or service of the transfer of that $1. And that's just, I think, a really great example, a fair example of when we're knee deep in our own needs, it's really easy to forget to ask people or other people what it is that they need or want, all right? So if you're coming from a point of being knee-deep in your own needs, I want to remind you that it's so important to ask what it is the other person wants on the other side of the table, Now, let's move on to the second part of this formula, and that's the problem. So we need to help them discover, not you discover, but help them discover what's keeping them from getting what they want, okay? So when you've discovered what they want and they've already stated it, 
that's when we know we're ready for them to start looking and identifying the problems that are keeping them from actually getting what they want. And I can't underscore it enough. They have to be the, the, the ones that identify the problem. We cannot do it for them because they're not going to be able then to connect the dots that you actually are their solution. All right. So when you have, let's say somebody, um, let's just say they throw out a problem and they say, well, there's not enough money in the budget. Well, why is they've identified what the problem is? There's not enough money in the budget. So, Once you hear what that problem is, and you might have to help them a little bit to start seeing these problems very, very clearly, but once you've helped them identify the problem, let's say not enough money in the budget or not enough resources on the team, then you're able to come from a place of solution because the solution is going to be the answer that will help them overcome their problem to help them get what they want. Now, I know this sounds simple. But most people get it reversed. They walk in the door with the solution. And they've missed some key components to this. If you follow this formula just as described, your sales success will grow exponentially through the roof. And so what you're looking to do is help your client become a problem solver. Now, It's also really important and obvious that if you don't have the best solution, you're going to need to be authentic and have enough integrity to let them know, I know what you want, I hear what the problem is, and I don't have the solution for you at this moment. Now, there's where you're at. A decision. How much of a consultant do you want to be? Do you want to step into for exactly what your client needs? I oftentimes try to find a solution. If I'm not the solution, if they're looking for a service that I don't offer, I will oftentimes have someone else that I can connect them with. And you end up having clients for life. Again, want problem solution. It sounds simple, but give it a try and really look to start mastering that as your sales formula for success. All right, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to start diving into your appetite for feedback and what feedback can actually do to help you achieve your goals in 2016. You're listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for the last segment of our show. in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. 
Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is Kathy at Compassionate Samurai Show.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to today's show. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and we have been talking about peak performance and coaching yourself to really some peak performance skills and tools that you can put in your toolbox. Now, we've covered off on some advanced techniques in listening, and that's being with listening. And then we've also covered off on a valuable, valuable sales tool entitled Want Problem Solution. And it may be a tool that takes a little practice. It might not even, you know, when you try it on, it might not fit in the perfect size, but you're going to grow into those comfortable shoes and they're going to be effective and useful for you. And I find this to be a very organic sales tool when people aren't as familiar with the world of selling or professional selling. Because what we're really talking about is being of service, discovering what the want is of our client or our prospect, listening to them identify their problem, and then you having a solution. And it's so funny now in my life that, that I've, I've grown accustomed to this uh, great tool that I use. When I have someone out there in the world of something that I'm looking to buy and they aren't utilizing this type of tool, I recognize it in a heartbeat. When they start leading with their solution and have no idea why I may or may not be interested in their product or service, I find it a big disconnect. Um, I almost find that I want to teach them this formula on the spot, and I have to to be really um, careful and professional about that, which leads us in to lesson number six. And that's a great question to lead into, and it's, are you hungry for feedback. Are you hungry for feedback? So I'm going to ask you this. If you're stuck, by chance, if you're stuck in your profession in any way, shape, or form, or your company results are stuck, then I'm going to suggest that you go and get feedback now. And then if you're not stuck and you're growing exponentially, then guess what? Now's a great time for you to go out and get feedback as well. Because guess what? Feedback is nothing but an opportunity for you to continue on as a lifelong learner. I really challenge you to become an expert in both giving and receiving feedback. Now, a lot of this has to do with timing and permission. I remember one time when... um, 
after I had gone to my very first Clemmer and Associates seminar, I was really excited putting this tool in my in my pouch and really uh, asking people for permission to provide feedback. And uh, there was one time, and I'll say this the way the president of, of Clemmer and Associates says it, uh, is there was one time where I was having intense fellowship with my husband. Um, and yeah, we were having some pretty intense fellowship, uh, aka a big fat argument. And I just asked him very calmly, are you open to some feedback? And I literally had my mouth already open to start in on my feedback. And he said, no, I'm not. And it was at that moment where I realized, well, holy smokes, he's not open to it. I can't give him feedback. He didn't give permission to give the feedback. And that was a really important lesson to, to, for me to learn, that just because I want to give someone the feedback doesn't mean that they're going to be willing to be open to it. So let's dissect this a little bit around what feedback means and what we're even talking about. Um, if you're looking to both become an expert in giving and receiving feedback, let's first take on receiving feedback. Now, a lot of people out there in the world, they're unable to receive feedback. In fact, it's one of the reasons a company like Clemmer & Associates is even in business and thriving in the corporate world today is because companies hire them to teach their managers and their team members of how to honestly, openly, and how to give honest, open, responsible feedback. And it's an improvement in communication. That's why companies bring the Clemmer team in. And the reason they bring them in, every company I've ever worked with has always said one of their key identifiers that for change that they would like to make is that in terms of communication. And when I dig a little deeper, when we dig deeper in that research, the companies typically do not have a problem with communication. What they have a problem with is trust. Building that trust, that muscle trust of giving and receiving feedback in a work environment, in a family environment, in a friendship environment is so so essential. So the goal here is to really have feedback for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if we take the emotion out of it, um, let's do that. Let's say we're a pilot. Well, guess what? A pilot's never going to get in a plane without proper instruments working, right? It's just not going to happen. And so feedback literally would be the instruments of the plane is providing feedback to the pilot. And so if you take that emotion out of it, feedback is just one instrument that we can rely on to help course correct our behavior, our actions, our strategy, and our planning. And that's one way that we can look at feedback. And just keep in mind, it's impossible to say that you want feedback And at the same time, resist it. You're going to become a basket case. So surrendering to the feedback is certainly an important aspect. And I'm not talking about white flag surrendering. I'm talking about non-resistance. Be open to the feedback. Now, the number one tool really to utilize in receiving feedback is to realize 
that feedback is not necessarily the truth. Feedback is only one person's experience or viewpoint. It may be their truth, but it may not be the truth. And that is so important. Sometimes also feedback can actually say more about the giver than it actually does about the person receiving it. Now, if we remember back to lesson one, when it comes to facts, remember that facts don't have any intrinsic meaning. Fact meaning, in other words, we're going to create a story in our head around what the feedback actually means. And so it would behoove us to make a story up around the feedback that puts us in forward movement. All right. Then I think on number two, we want to also realize that feedback says nothing about you. So let's just take the plane example as, as another example. Let's say we're a pilot in the plane. All right. And let's say for one reason or another, uh, the altimeter has gone out. And it's saying we're flying at 20,000 feet when actuality, it's 10,000 feet. It doesn't matter what the altimeter is saying. It only matters that the truth is the 10,000 foot level. So again, if we're off course with the feedback or if the feedback is off course, it doesn't say anything at all about us as a person. Nothing. And then number three, this is where really a strong support team and support system comes into play. Set yourself up to have multiple sources of feedback. Requesting feedback from multiple areas of your company, just not those that sit on the leadership team with you or the executive team with you. You want to have feedback coming in from all sources, all right? In fact, I was just on the phone right before the show started uh, where I was speaking with someone and um, going over some questions, and um, I was doing research for a company, and I asked, give me an idea of the CEO's CEO style of behavior. And um, I kind of chuckled when I heard was he's a gentleman who's always open to feedback. In fact, he'll go down on the assembly line floor and start asking the workers for feedback around how they can always improve the systems. And so, again, feedback for him is a mechanism he's using from multiple sources, from the boardroom all the way down to the plant assembly line to know how to best run that company and let them move in a very forward pace. Now, when you have multiple sources of feedback, you're also able to plot some trends. If we were doing this in a statistics class, we're going to plot the trend of, ooh, everybody has some pretty common feedback for me. There must be some element that I want to look at here because there's some commonality there. And then likewise, if, if there's a handful of other people that are giving you different feedback, that also is going to give you a clear picture around, oh, I may not be as one positional as I think I need to be. 
I may need to hone in on some clarity with my team so everybody gets on the same page. Um, So again, that's up to you, completely up to you. Now, let's flip the other side of the coin now. How do you give feedback? That can be just as challenging for some people giving feedback as it would be to receive feedback. Because one of the things that we notice in our trainings is sometimes our students are so worried about the way they're perceived. They don't want to step on toes. They don't want to make waves. And that puts them in a position of holding back some honest, integral feedback. And they may even have an idea of how to build a better mousetrap, but they're not willing to speak up and provide some feedback because they're a little concerned about people reacting negatively or being um, labeled as someone who's not a team player. So if you're at all hesitancy, hesitant about this, take a look at it and see what you can do to start course correcting that behavior. Now, on the providing feedback side, number two, and, and again, number one was focus on making a contribution, just stepping up to the plate and providing feedback. Uh, you're you're stepping up to the plate and you're putting the bat at hand if you're playing baseball. Number two is don't be attached to the reception of the feedback. And this is something that I absolutely love inside of the Clemmer organization is feedback is more than welcome. You ask permission to provide the feedback. Once that yes is given, you provide the feedback. I always feel heard. Always feel heard. Now, my feedback or my suggestion may or may not be adopted, but I'm leaving that conversation always feeling heard. And that makes for very, very loyal team members. And if my idea or suggestion isn't adopted, I now know the reason why I've been able to contribute to the team. So it's really important not to be attached to the reception of the feedback. Now, how can you begin with giving feedback? Oftentimes you can, after you ask for permission, are you open? And I know this sounds simplistic, but I'm going to walk you through it. Are you open to a little feedback on such and such a subject matter? Let's say, are you open to a little feedback regarding the launch of our new product? Are you open to a little feedback around how we may want to plan such and such of an event? That's one way to get the conversation started. Once you get the yes on the feedback, you can maybe start that sentence by saying, my experience of you when this meeting occurred, my experience of you when, that's an important opening line, all right? Then another great form of feedback is one where you're asking someone, Let's recap this. Let's talk about what worked from your viewpoint, what didn't work from your viewpoint, and what's next. So again, what worked, what didn't, and what, what's next. So that allows us to eliminate the judgment, and it allows for the forward-moving action. 
The other aspect of feedback is if you don't have a coach now, a life and or a business coach, and maybe there are are separate coaches for you, make sure that you've done your homework on finding the best possible coach out there for you. And also make sure that you have proper mentors in your life. And if you need some support and reminder around how to attract the best coaches for you, make sure they have experience in the field that you're interested in. Make sure that they know how to be held accountable and they'll hold you accountable to the standards that you aspire to. All right. And then also make sure that they have their life in alignment the way you would like to have your life in alignment. Make sure that they're willing to give you open and honest feedback as well. And then make sure that as you're utilizing the tools and effective aspects of a mentor, make sure that you are also being of service to a mentor. Now, I'm going to go ahead and close out the show today. Several of you, after every show, they always ask, how do I get in touch with Clemmer and Associates? So I want to provide the website for that and let you know that we're going to continue on with parts, um, part three of this series of peak performance coaching next week. And the topics for next week are going to be the topic of change as well as a path and setting the context for better results, and also letting you know that there's a difference between going victim to your circumstances. Are you circumstance-driven? And then also finding the real you in business. So if you have a curiosity around what Clemmer & Associates does, head out to www.clemmer.com or feel free to give them a call at 800 800- Five seven seven five four four seven. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host Kathy Fairbanks. Till next week, I challenge you to knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 